Psalms 71 this morning. Psalm 71. I'll speak to you this morning on the subject. Run, David, run. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be my strong refuge to which I may resort continually. You have given the commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man, for you are my hope, O Lord God. You are my trust from my youth. By you I have been upheld from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall be continually of you. I have become as a wonder to many, but you are my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. For my enemies speak against me, and those who lie in wait for my life take counsel together, saying, God has forsaken him. Pursue and take him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, do not be far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. Let them be confounded and consumed who are adversaries of my life. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My my mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day, for I do not know their limits. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness, of yours only. O God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me, until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. Also your righteousness, O God, is very high. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? You who have shown me great and severe troubles shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Also with the lute I will praise you. And your faithfulness, O my God, to you I will sing with the harp, O Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you, and my soul which you have redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought to shame, who seek my hurt. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the word. And I pray now as we look once again at some of the events in the life of King David, that Lord, you will... You will help us and teach us and and, uh, instruct us today. Uh, Help us to see the examples uh, in his behavior that we need to apply to our own lives. And I do pray today, Lord, for the filling of your spirit. I pray, Lord God, that uh, you would just uh, guide and superintend everything that takes place in this pulpit today. Let me say nothing uh, wrong and only say those things you want said. Just help me today, Lord, to be what I ought to be. And then help us all, Lord, to... Put out of our mind anything that would distract, anything that would uh, cause us to not hear, and help us to listen on purpose. And will you speak to us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the last time we got together, we talked about the fact that David was being molded by God into the king that he wanted him to be. And we mentioned several different things that God used to mold David. And the last thing that we talked about was the fact that God used trouble, trials hard things in his life in order to mold him into the king that he was going to be. 
The psalm I just read to you, Psalm 71, if you are observant, you notice that at the beginning of it, there is no author mentioned there. We don't know if Psalm 71 was written by David. Uh, if you read the psalms, you'll notice that uh, usually there is an author mentioned. Psalm 72 says it's a psalm of Solomon. Psalm 73 says it's a psalm of Asaph. And so we don't, we can't be adamant, I can't be adamant this morning that Psalm 71 was written by David, but it certainly fits his style and it certainly seems like this probably is one of the Psalms of David. And as I read this, I actually read, read Psalm 71 in my devotions this past week and I had been thinking through this message and I, I realized that this Psalm really speaks to what David was going through at this particular time in his life as he is running from Saul. And running through the wilderness uh, from his enemies. You know, in the Bible, running is a metaphor of the Christian life. Uh, we see it several different places. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 said, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. It's a picture of the Christian life, running the author of the Hebrews used the same picture in Hebrews chapter 12 when he said, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Paul one time was talking to the Galatians in the book of, uh, the book of Galatians, and uh, he was disappointed in them because they had foundered. They were not where they ought to be. They had allowed error and false teaching and things to creep in. And in, this, in, in describing that situation in Galatians chapter 5, he said, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Running is a picture of the Christian life. And they were faltering in their running. And so as we see David here in the passages that we're going to look at, and again, just like last week, we're going to be jumping all around. You can be turning over to 1 Samuel, and we're going to start in chapter 18 again. We'll be jumping around again. Uh, but as we see this time in David's life where he is running from Saul through the wilderness, I think it's an example, a picture of times when we are running, uh, times when we are in the wilderness. And we can learn some things about how we run the Christian life. So let me just mention a few of those things. Have your Bibles ready, and we'll jump around. First of all, look with me at chapter 18 and verse number 10, and let's talk about the fact that while David was running in the wilderness, he kept serving. He kept serving. Chapter 18, verse 10, it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house. And so David played music with his hand as at other times. Now I realize a couple of things. I realize, first of all, that that particular verse predates his actual running into the wilderness. I recognize that. And I also recognize we talked about this last week and we mentioned this particular thing. But I think this verse is illustrative of a larger point, And that is this, David, at no time, either in the palace or in the wilderness when he was running. At no time did David allow hardship to stop him from doing the things God had called him to do. We don't need to belabor it, because we did talk about it last week. But it's important to remember. David, uh, as long as he was able, performed his ministry regardless of opposition and regardless of seeming lack of results. Imagine, you know, sometimes we get distressed when we preach and there's little results, or when we share the gospel with somebody and there's little results. But imagine David had one ministry in the palace, and that was to play his harp and soothe the heart of Saul. And so he's playing his harp to soothe the heart of Saul, and Saul takes his spear and flings it at him. He 
might have thought himself a bit of a failure there. It's possible. But he didn't let that stop him. He just kept right on going. You know, some of David's psalms were composed during the days spent in the wilderness. It's possible that the one we read, if that is his Psalm 71, would have been written during that time because it fits with that time. It sounds like it was written during a time when uh, he was running. There are all kinds of other examples. We'll look at Psalm 56 in just a little bit and read some of that and we'll see that those psalms were written during this period of time when David was running through the wilderness. And it's just illustrative to us that he didn't stop. He kept right on doing the things he'd always done. He kept right on worshiping when some would have walked away from worship. He kept right on singing when some would have dropped into the Oh, I don't know, the depths of stinking thinking and despair. David kept right on uh, serving. And when I think about that, I can't, I can't help but think of another example. I can't help but think of a New Testament example. Think about Acts chapter 16. Think about Paul and Silas. You remember Paul and Silas? Paul and Silas were arrested simply because they were preaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. They were arrested. They were cast into prison. They were beaten with rods, the Bible says, with many stripes. They were thrown into the innermost parts of the prison and their feet and their hands were made fast in the stocks. So they were suffering and in pain and in distress. And yet the Bible says in Acts chapter 16 and verse 25 that at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. You know, I think too many who name the name of Christ when confronted with just a little difficulty in their Christian walk, a little bit of a wilderness experience, will give up on God. But that wasn't David. David kept right on serving, even in the wilderness. I see another thing here. It's in chapter 18, verse 14. Chapter 18, verse 14, where we read, David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. And again, I know this is another verse that predates his actual running to the wilderness, but I also think it is another overarching characteristic that we see about David throughout and helps us to understand how he helped, how he handled these Problems in his life. He behaved himself wisely in all his ways. You know, David does not appear to have been a man who panicked. He appears to have been a man who usually, now obviously there were some examples or some uh, places where this was not the case, but usually he seemed to have been a man who kept a level head. Anybody ever read Douglas Adams' book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Ray, have you ever read that book? Come on. There, okay, amen, thank you. There's a, there's a few other geeks in the room who have read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's a classic. Everybody will read that before they die. It's, it's ridiculous British humor, but, but there is on the cover of the book the tagline, which really is the point of the whole book, and it's the words, don't panic. Don't panic. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that is true of David. All of these things were going on, and he may have feared, he may have run, he may have had, you know, uh, uh, some, some situations, but he didn't panic. He kept his head at all times, and there's, there's something there that we should learn from. I had a friend who, who currently is a missionary in Thailand, and uh, I, I, I was a friend of his when I was in Bible college. He used to be a missionary in England, and uh, when I had another church, he came one time and he spoke in our church. And he stood up in the pulpit, and he said... Let me tell you something about your pastor. Now, Phil can probably attest to this, and probably anybody else really could imagine what this is like. When you have someone who knows things about you, <laughs> who gets up in the pulpit of your church and says, let me tell you something about your pastor. You know, your toes just start to curl, and you start to think, oh, 
this is going to be terrible. He's going to tell some horrible, embarrassing thing about me. But he proceeded to tell about a time that we had had some big disastrous thing going on at the school where we were at. I was the president of the student body, and I can't remember what he was. He was, he was something. He was like my right-hand man of some sort there. We worked together a lot, and we were going through some big panicky situation. And he proceeded to tell about the time that I had, in the midst of all this furor, I had turned to him and I said to him, Bob, I refuse to operate in the panic mode, and let's go have a cup of coffee. And he told this to my church. And I sat there and I, I, I listened to that and I thought, you know, that was true of me back then. But it's not true of me now. And it really bothered me because I realized I had lost that. And every once in a while, my mind goes back to that that's a simple little anecdote with Bob standing in the pulpit and saying that and reminding me of a time when I, like David, did not want to operate in the panic mode and how easy it is for us to get away from that. One of the things we learned from David is that he kept his head. He kept his head. He didn't panic. First Samuel eighteen fourteen. David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Another thing that I see here about how David handled this in the wilderness is uh, in verse number chapter nineteen, verse number eighteen. Chapter nineteen, verse eighteen. So David fled and escaped, and he went where? He went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed in. Naoth. Flip over to chapter 21 and verse 1. Now David came to Nob. To who? Ahimelech, the priest. As I think about those things, I realize that while running in the wilderness, David sought spiritual guidance. He sought spiritual guidance. I think David was a man who, early in the process, at least usually, again, we can come up with exceptions to this, but most of the time, early in the process, he sought the things of God rather than waiting until a later point. He didn't wait until he had exhausted every other possible avenue and every other source of help and encouragement before turning to God or God's people. Early, he turned to God. Early, he turned to the people of God. You know, the Lord's brother James has something to say about this. In James chapter 5 and verse 13, he says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs, psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. You know, when we're in the wilderness, we ought to seek out the help of those whom God has put in our lives, gifted brothers and sisters in Christ. We ought to seek them out. Spiritual guidance. I was thinking about this this week, and my mind went all different directions with this particular point in trying to think of where the Lord was leading here, and I, I thought of several different extremes. I, I thought, uh, for example, about how so many Christians today consider it an imposition to call the pastor and ask for help in any way, shape, or form. Folks, brothers, sisters, it's never an imposition. To say that it is imposition to call the pastor for help is like saying, you're too busy doing other things to do the job that God has called you to do. That's what we're here for. That's what Brother Phil's here for. That's what I'm here for. That's what our deacons are here for. That's what your brothers and sisters are here for. Never, never turn someplace else when you could turn to your brothers and sisters in Christ. I also thought about how we live in an age where psychoanalysis is considered, and I'm not talking about lost people now. We expect lost people to do these kind of things, but 
considered by Christians to be more important than spiritual guidance. When Christians will run to lost, confused psychologists, and I'm not saying all psychology is wrong, but when it takes Christ out of it, it is. And they don't give a thought to whether they ought to seek God's help first. And then only after they've sought through every other solution and every other mind-altering drug and every other kind of treatment do they come to brothers and sisters in Christ and say, help. You know, these things ought not to be. David's experience in the wilderness teaches us we ought to early seek the Lord. When he ran, he ran to Samuel. When he ran, he ran to Ahimelech. Well, we'll get off that one. Another one. Look at chapter 21, verse number 10. Chapter 21, verse number 10. Then David arose and fled that day before Saul. This one might seem like rocket science. I don't, I'm not sure, but I think it's important. While in the wilderness, David ran. We're talking about him running, but let's just stop and talk about it for a minute. He ran. He ran. And sometimes the answer is just that simple. Sometimes we just need to run. From trouble. And sometimes there's nothing wrong with running. Sometimes we're even commanded to do so. Some allurements, some temptations, some troubles that we might find ourselves presented with are simply too hard for us to stand up to. Too big for us. And the Bible tells us that we must run from them. Here's an example. 1 Corinthians 10.14 says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Those things which would divert our eyes from Christ. Those things which would take our mind off of him. We're not to sit and stare at them. We're not to think about them. We're not to dabble in them. We are to put them away from us and run from them. Here's another one. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee sexual immorality. 2 Timothy 2.22, flee also youthful lusts. Run. It's as simple as that. Run. All of us need to remember that. I need to remember that. You need to remember that. When it comes to these things, we don't sit and look at it. We can't. Run. Run. That's the only answer the Bible gives us on these things. If you're watching the Bible miniseries on the History Channel, you no doubt saw the, uh, the depiction of Samson. How many of you saw the depiction of Samson? And you know, if you look at the story of Samson and you think about regardless of what you think of how he was depicted there. But if you just think about the story of Samson, you know what you see in the story of Samson? You see somebody who dabbled in some of these very areas that we're talking about, right? He played with them. And eventually he succumbed to them. And eventually uh, they were his demise. You know somebody they didn't talk about in that miniseries? At least I didn't see. I didn't see them mention Joseph. Did anybody see him mention Joseph? They left that one out. But you know, if they'd have talked about Joseph, they would have seen the right approach. Because Joseph one time was faced with the very same types of temptation when Potiphar, his, uh, his master's wife, tried to seduce him. And he didn't wait around, and he didn't linger, and he didn't look her up and down, and he didn't spend any time thinking about it. He turned around and ran. And that's what the Bible says. You know, there are some times when we're in the wilderness and when we're encountering temptations and difficulties and trials, we just simply need to turn around. And that's what David did. Well, another thing. Another thing. This one's, uh, let's turn over to chapter 23. We'll look at a couple of things here. Chapter 23, 1 Samuel. I want us to notice that while in the wilderness, David prayed. While in the wilderness, he prayed. Uh, look at verse number 2. 
Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? Look at verse number 4. David inquired of the Lord once again, and the Lord had answered him and said, Arise and go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. Look down at verse number 10. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver you. Just some examples. And if you read down throughout all these passages of David's time in the wilderness, you see that David, while in the wilderness, prayed. Prayed. He didn't hesitate to talk to God. And I I wonder, as I think about that, why it is that so many of us as Christians struggle with prayer. And, And I don't preach that to you as much as I preach that to me. Because this is one of the areas in my life where I find it to be a constant battle. I think Satan fights me more on prayer than about everything else. Maybe reading my Bible, he fights me on that too. David prayed. He prayed when he was afraid. A question came up last week about whether or not David was afraid during these times. And I would say, yeah. I would say, yes, he was. He said in Psalm 56, when I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. So he was afraid. But when he was afraid, he prayed. He prayed when he needed to make a decision. And we see that here as he ran in the wilderness and he kept on praying throughout his wilderness experiences. If you read his Psalms, you see a man who prayed over and over. He knew what it was to pray when things were going well and he knew what it was to pray when he was in the wilderness like he was here when he was in the valley. Many of us do okay when we're on the mountaintop. It's easy to say praise the Lord when things are going well. But we grow deadly silent when we're in the valley when we're in the wilderness. There's a songwriter named Tracy Dart. He talked about this very thing in the song God on the Mountain. Tracy said, Life is easy when you're up on the mountain and you've got peace of mind like you've never known. But when things change and you're down in the valley, don't lose faith, for you're never alone. We talk of faith when we're up on the mountain, but talk comes easy when life's at its best. But in the valleys of trials and temptations, that's when faith is put to the test. And the God on the mountain is still God in the valley. When things go wrong, he'll make them right. And the God in the good times is still God in the bad times. The God of the day is still God of the night. You know, I think a case could easily be made that certainly one of the reasons God puts us in the valley in the first place is so that we might turn our face toward him. And is it not true then that if that is the case, if we do not pray... We're missing out on the very reason that he has put us there in the first place. David in the wilderness of pray. Well, one other thing. One other thing. And uh, that's this. While running in the wilderness, David waited for and trusted in God's deliverance. Uh, I won't read a scripture here. I'll just draw your attention to a couple of chapters. Chapter 24 and chapter 26. You can read those on your own. But at least on a couple of occasions, David, as he is running from Saul, who is trying to kill him. Remember, he's trying to kill him. David, as he is running from Saul, on a couple of occasions, he had an opportunity to take matters in his own hand and, to our way of thinking, end that conflict. Again, if you're watching the miniseries on the Bible, uh, you, you saw one of these depicted in the depiction of David when he came upon Saul in the cave. Could have killed him. He chose not to do so. Just took a little piece of his robe instead. You know, frankly, his men were flabbergasted at this. David is surrounded by all these mighty warrior men, and they're flabbergasted. They're fighting this battle. They're running from Saul, 
And he has two opportunities in chapter 24 and in chapter 26 to kill Saul. And in both cases, he says, no, I won't do it. And they just don't get it. They just don't get it at all. But he explained to them, chapter 24, verse number 6, he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And in chapter 26, verse 9, David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, Furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him, or his day shall come to die. Or he should go out to battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. And even Saul himself, when confronted with the fact that David had had this opportunity and had spared him, was amazed. And David, when he explained to Saul why he didn't kill him, kind of summed up this whole, this whole thought, this whole attitude that was so much a part of his life. He said in 1 Samuel chapter 26 and verse number 24, Let him, that is God, let God deliver me out of tribulation. Why didn't you kill me when you had the chance, David? Because I'm trusting God. He will deliver me. I'm not going to take matters into my own hands. And you know, I think it's a characteristic that really speaks to the heart of David. He was willing to wait for and trust in God's deliverance from trials. In First Samuel chapter 30, we read that David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. It kind of brings us back, does it not, to Psalm 71, where we started. The first few verses. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be my strong refuge to which I may resort continually. You have given the commandment to save me. For you, you are my rock and my fortress. You know, in June of 2014, we put a message in there, an announcement in the bulletin about this. In June of 2014, Beth and I are, Lord willing, going to lead a trip to the Holy Land again. And if anybody's interested in that, let us know. We have brochures and things we'll be glad to share with you. But you know, if, if we do go, and should you go with us, you have the opportunity to stand in the very wilderness where David was running. You have an opportunity to go to En Gedi which is a place specifically described in these passages as one of David's hideouts. And one of the things that you'll notice as you look across that, that landscape is it is truly a wilderness. It is stark. It is barren. It is dry. It is a lonely place. The wilderness. And so I wonder this morning as we draw this to a close, I wonder if perhaps you've been there. Or perhaps you found yourself in the wilderness. Or perhaps you find yourself there this morning. You know, somebody in this room, or maybe even more than one, might be going through wilderness experiences now. And so as we think through what we've seen here of how David handled that experience, let me ask you this question. How are you running? How are you running? And all of us, even if we're on a mountaintop right now, we need to be prepared for the fact that there may be a wilderness around the corner. And we need to ask ourselves and be ready and be thinking, how will I run? How will I run? Because whether now or yet to come, we need to determine that we're going to run like David ran. That when we find ourselves running through the wilderness, we're not going to stop serving. We're going to keep serving. We're not going to panic. We're going to keep our heads. We're going to seek spiritual guidance from our brothers and sisters in Christ that will 
run from temptation and evil, that will pray all the way through the valley, that will wait on God and will never stop trusting him. You see, that's how David ran. Then we'll be able to sing along with him. I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. Run like David.